how are you now? Oh, how are you right now? Thursday night, folks. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and uh, we're here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens on the road now, taking on the New York Rangers, the Metropolitan Division leading New York Rangers all of a sudden. Um, This was (laughs) one of those games you go into it expecting because they came off of a a 5-0 win over the Anaheim Ducks and you know, all of a sudden you start to feel a little bit better about the team. You know the direction that they're going in is, is positive. And, and you wonder, right, if they take on one of the top teams in the East, what are they going to be able to do? And at the same time, you, you also know while there's been positive direction for this team so far, uh, they are still what they are, which is is not a playoff team. And we, we knew that going in. And so, you know, for me personally, I can't speak for all Habs fans, but I think I, I went into this one expecting a loss. And uh, you know, any kind of good showing for me was going to be at least enough for me to say, all right, well, we, we learned some positives out of that one. So it's not, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly wasn't going in expecting a win, and uh, I don't want to give it away. Uh, I'll, I'll let you all know what happened. Uh, we're going to go through the recap and everything else. Uh, before we do that, though, of course, you know that Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. The game starts here. And your Montreal Canadiens actually started their game against the Rangers uh, surprisingly well. Again, like I said, I went into this one expecting a loss. But a few minutes into this game, uh, they actually, technically, they got one on the board, at least for a second. Uh, Brandon Gignac, uh, he gets the puck's shot in, and it's coming up kind of high. And he knocks it down, goes off Jonathan Quick. Uh, he takes the rebound, puts it in the net. But... The ref almost immediately waved that one off. Uh, it was, in fact, a high stick that Gignac uh, knocked it down with. I did think it was odd that they said that play's not challengeable, and I had to check the rules just to make sure. And it isn't, actually. If the refs say... Uh, they don't even have to actually blow the whistle. They can just say that they intended to blow the whistle and kill the play. Uh, you can't challenge it, which seems weird. In, in that instance, there's there's not too much to get upset about because they got it right. It was a high stick. So even if the Habs did challenge, it would have been a useless challenge because it was for sure high. But it just seems weird to me. But, you know, that's something to talk about another day. Maybe put a pin in that one because you never know when that rule is going to come up again and somehow bite somebody in the ass when we're watching one of these games. At any rate, we get back to the game and... Honestly, aside from that, really good start from the Habs. Late in the frame, Josh Anderson gets the puck with his back to the net in the high slot, just turns around and fires, and that's a good decision. Putting the puck on the net because the rebound goes right to Jake Evans. He takes it to the backhand and puts it in, makes it one nothing for the Habs. That was it for the first period. Shots were 10-9 for the Rangers. Everything else was pretty even. Quelle surprise! Your Montreal Canadiens taking it to the top team in the Metro Division. In the second period, early on, it's more of the same. This is a tight game. Either the Rangers are complete frauds or the Montreal Canadiens are taking that 5 nothing win against Anaheim and all of a sudden they're going to steamroll their own way to a playoff spot. What's going on here? And about five minutes into the period, sorry, not five minutes into the period, it was more like uh, 
11 minutes into the period, um, things the, the wheels come off a little bit for the Habs. So anybody who was thinking about you know the possibility of maybe driving for the playoffs, it, it went away pretty quickly. So Zibanejad gets the puck in the corner, throws it out to the top of the circle. Chris Kreider, through traffic, beats Samuel Montambo and makes it 1-1. A few short minutes later, Will Cooley uh, gets in the offensive zone. Uh, loose puck gets on, uh, off of a faceoff and jumps on one and makes it 2-1. to one. Uh, Habs are on a power play a couple minutes after that. This is all within the span of four minutes, by the way. Habs are on a power play. Delayed penalty against the Habs. Rangers control the puck, keep possession, keep it away from the Habs, play keep away for long enough to get into the offensive zone. And Adam Fox goes cross ice uh, to Mika Zibanejad, and he makes it 3-1. to one. But the Habs challenge this one. Now, this one I do have a bit of an issue with the way the refs officiated it because they uh, initially they called it a goal. And you can see on the replay that Chris Kreider clearly made contact with Samuel Montembeau. He comes in, puts his stick down on the ice, and he stops Samuel Montembeau's skate from actually being able to get to the post and even knocks his stick out of his hand a little bit. Uh, but they allow it. They call it a good goal and uh, uphold it at 3-1. to one. And because the Habs challenged... You know what that means? They got to kill off a penalty, and of course, on that power play, Chris Kreider makes it four to one. And all of this again, all four of the goals for the Rangers within a span of like four or five minutes of actual gameplay. Just a complete disaster of a second period for the Montreal Canadiens past the midway point. First ten minutes, uh, pretty good. After that, brutal. But late in the frame, they do get one back. About three minutes left on the clock. Cole Caulfield picks it up on the wall in the offensive zone. He feeds Uri Slavkovsky coming in and Slav lets go an absolute fucking laser beam. Uses the defender as a screen and scores far side on Jonathan Quick. Four to two. What a shot. And that's your score at the end of 40 minutes. Um, Look, again, my expectations going into the game were probably a loss. Uh, my expectations after period number one was, well, what the hell's happening here? I, I wasn't sure anymore. Um, can they actually win this game? I would have been very surprised. My expectations after period two, I'm like, all right, this one's getting away from them a little bit. And Samuel Maldonado is not having his best game. So they're either going to need to score a whole pile of goals or they're going to have to hope that Samuel Maldonado figures it out in the intermission. And uh, he, neither of those things happened. Um, we just under five minutes into the third period, Vinny Trocek. He just fires a real awkward shot. He's kind of like leaning back at the blue line and reaching for it as he shoots it. Like, had absolutely no weight in behind that shot. Uh, but it gets through, and that makes it 5-2 to two for the Rangers. But the Habs not going away. A little later, Mike Matheson point shot. Cole Caulfield gets a tip on it. It misses the net completely after the tip, but it goes off the backboards, kicks back out into the crease, and Jonathan Quick kicks it into his own net with the skate. Man, did Cole Caulfield need a little bit of luck with the way he's been playing lately without getting any goals, and he gets some there. And that brings the score all of a sudden to 5-3. Seconds after that, though. Seconds after that. Really bad step up near the red line by Arbor Jackeye. Uh, that leads to a two-on-one for Zabanajad and Kreider. Zabanajad gives it to Kreider, and it's 6-3 to three all of a sudden. Um, later after that, Capo uh, Caco put... Jonathan Kovacevic in a blender uh, with honestly like it wasn't even that quick of a turn but Kovacevic went went swimming after that one Kako cuts in and he beats Samuel Montembeau that's a shot that Samuel Montembeau stops 9.9 times out of 10 um, really surprised that that one got through him but it's the kind of night he was having and it's 7-3 to three. Uh, but later on uh, the Habs do get one more back. Nick Suzuki driving towards the net creates a little bit of space. Cole Caulfield's trailing, gets into the slot, and just unleashes a wrister uh, and snipes one for his second of the night, 7-4, uh, to four, but that is your final score. 
Um, look, I'm not really upset about the score. I, I would have liked it to be a little bit closer. I'd, I'd like to not have the Habs give up seven goals, but this is the top team in the Metro, one of the top teams in the East, and the Habs are not a playoff team. So the, the games like that are going to happen sometimes. I do like, um, I, I will give the Habs some credit for the fact that they stuck with it. Uh, they didn't give up on that game. They didn't give up on their goaltender. They were still trying to score, you know, all the way down to the final minute of the third period. Uh, Joshua Hua actually came very close to getting a fifth goal for them late with about a minute and 10 left on the clock. Uh, they tried, you know, they they kept the effort level uh, through the game, which is good to see because there's been other games before where, you know, they <laughs> sometimes they get a lead and they stop playing. Sometimes they get down and they stop playing. Uh, they, there was none of that in this game. They kept their effort level uh, exactly where it started the game. There just was some some lapses. Uh, some lapses by the goaltender, some lapses defensively uh, in the neutral zone, all over the place, really. And, you know, that, that is going to happen. When you're not a playoff team and you run up against one of the top teams in your conference, it's just sometimes going to happen. And, look, I think overall, if you look at the stats for that game, it really wasn't that bad. Sometimes you look at the box score and you go, oh, shit. But in this one, they had they, they out-attempted the Rangers. Um, uh, they had 50 shot attempts at even strength. The Rangers had 41. Um, you take a look. What about uh, scoring chances? So high-danger chances. Uh, yeah, the Habs out-chanced the Rangers as well. They had 63% of the scoring chances, 52% of the high-danger chances. Expected goals for was actually 55.1% in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. So hypothetically, you could say they deserve to win this game. Uh, now we we know deserve ain't got shit to do with it. Sometimes, you know, you make def- you make mistakes defensively. Uh, that puck can end up in the back of your net very very fast. Uh, your goaltender doesn't have his best night. The puck can end up in the back of your net very very fast. And that's kind of what happened to the Habs tonight. Defensive lapses and you know suspect goaltending from a guy who usually is not suspect whatsoever for them in net. So uh, look, Team Tank's going to be happy about this one at least, right? Um, I don't. I don't think anybody on Team Tank would be happy to hear they beat the Rangers. They'd go, "You got to be kidding me! This is a game that you're supposed to lose." And you know, losing games is is good for the uh, potential draft position at this point in the season. So uh, I'm not upset about this one. Uh, you know, it could have gone better for them. Um, you know, maybe they play that game exactly the way they did ten times. Maybe they win five of them. Maybe they win six or seven of them. But they didn't win this one, and uh, that's good for the draft position. And that brings me to your silver lining of the night, because obviously, you know, like I said, uh, if they had anything good going in that game, I would consider it uh, a win, regardless of whether or not uh, they actually won and got the two points. And the silver lining of the night in this one is clearly Cole Caulfield getting himself going again. Um, he needed that. And it feels like I've talked about this like 10 episodes in a row, so I hate to rehash it one more time. But I just want to go back to what I said last episode, right? I think I, I talked about his shooting percentage, right? His career mark is about 14% prior to this season. And going into this game, he was shooting at 8.7% for the year. Um, he was primed for regression. And you saw him get that lucky goal where he gets a tip, goes off the backboards, and then kicks off quick skate and goes in. And when I saw that go in, like I at no point did I go, oh, man, that's lucky. I went, that's karma for all of the other excellent shots that he's had that didn't go in. Like He deserved that, and he needed that lucky goal. And honestly, after that went in, it it's not like he got because he hasn't been playing bad so it's not like that puck went in and all of a sudden he started playing much better than he had it just looked he looked a little bit different out there he looked like a weight had come off his shoulders and he was finally going all right I get to I get to have my party time now with this line that's just been cooking and 
you know, he's kind of been not left behind because he's been out there and he's been doing really good things to help them be successful. But from a production standpoint, he has kind of been left behind. It's been, it's been Slavkovsky and it's been Suzuki doing most of the work uh, from on the scoring front. And, you know, it was nice to see him get that one. And then obviously he gets a look uh, in the slot and just picks twine. Like the, the, nothing has changed about the guy's shot. His shot is still exactly what it always has been. It's just, it's not rolling for him this year. And this happens with scorers. We've seen it before. We saw it with Max Pacioretty. Um, I'm, a lot of you are maybe, too, some of you listening anyways, are maybe too young to remember. But even Alex Kovalev had his uh, his streakiness uh, when he was playing for the Habs. Um, even Alexander Ovechkin is streaky sometimes. Uh, Austin Matthews is streaky sometimes. Like, the best goal scorers in the league are streaky. Of course, a guy like Cole Caulfield can be streaky as well. And, you know, the shooting percentage just hasn't been there for him so far this season. But regression to the mean is a real thing. And uh, his mean is higher than what he's been shooting this year. He's going to get back to that. And uh, this is probably, I hope, anyways, a sign of that happening. So, uh, good news. And, uh, you know, once, once more... Either your player of the game or silver lining for the last little while has been somebody on the top line or been the entire top line in and of itself. And that brings me to maybe my first kind of negative point, right? Because I've talked about this a lot. It is very important to have a top line that you can rely on uh, and a top line that you know can go out there and, and get you goals in almost any game that they play. But when you look at the score for that game, right? If you just look at the box score again, like I said, you can look at it and you can go, oh, shit. You know, they got destroyed. And realistically, you need to look at the other stats and you need to go, okay, actually, uh, they had a really good game, honestly. If you can forget about the score for a little bit, which is kind of hard to do because it's ugly. But the problem is, like, they, it's becoming, I don't want to say tedious, but it's it's becoming a little bit concerning that they can't get production from any of the other lines. Alex Newhook can't play center. I don't think that he's an option at center. That line got run over a little bit, him with Joshua Hua and Yoel Armia. Um, now, you could maybe make an argument that Joshua Hua, you know, as a rookie playing against one of the top teams in the league, it's a bit of a tough assignment for him on the road, uh, plus where the Rangers can kind of do whatever they want, get whoever they want out there with last change. Um, but that line got run over a little bit. It was the one line that, that looked like a little bit overmatched every time they were out there. Now, you know, again, last change for the Rangers, and that was the line they decided to exploit. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But um, I don't know. It's just I, I don't think Alex Newhook is an option at center. So part of it is they need to get healthy, but they also do need to, you know, build an effective other three lines that can go with your top line because you can't just have one line doing all the damage, right? It's great that they can. But now th- this is the challenge, all right? Good news is you figured out who the top line is going to be. Obviously, you got to run with that line again next year. Bad news is you got to figure it the fuck out with the other three lines. And, you know, guys like Yoel Armia are, are non-options. He, he's a non-option. Alex Newhook at center is a non-option. He needs to be back on the wing. Um, I, I think Brendan Gignac, uh, you know, he's not a guy that you're expecting to be around. Michael Pizzetta, I don't think, is a guy that's a real option. Tanner Pearson, I don't think, is a real option. Josh Anderson, I don't think, is a real option. you got too many forwards right now, um, and some of them eat up a, a, a lot of cap space with their, their salaries who are, are non-options or are guys who you're not expecting to be around next year. So it's it's hard to be upset about it, and, like, I'm not trying to freak out and be like, Kent Hughes needs to do something. Um 
but he does need to <laughs> but he does need to do something before the deadline. I'd like to see some of this, you know, not to say dead weight, but kind of to say dead weight. I'd like to see some of these guys moved out and bring in some assets, be it draft picks, be it young players, be it prospects who are not yet in the league. Um, you know, sh- show me you know, a, a desire to to build out the rest of your uh, of your trios because you you know you figured it out. Like congratulations, honestly, I think the entire fan base is stoked on that top line right now. It's there's hype in Montreal. I, I again, I, I I glossed over it when I was talking about the the game score and looking at the uh, the box score of the game and everything. That game was three to one if you take out every shift that didn't involve the top line in favor of the Montreal Canadiens, they would have won the game 3-1 if it was just the top line playing against the Rangers. Ah, that's not how hockey works, but that's I'm just trying to you know, illustrate here that th- this is the next big hurdle for the Habs. You've, you've figured out the top line, and again, congratulations. Figure out the rest of them. And um, should be interesting to see what they do heading into the deadline. There was a rumor that went out today and apparently got quashed immediately where somebody said that um, the Colorado Avalanche were trying to trade for Jake Allen. Almost immediately, Chris Johnson came out and said, nah, that's not true. There's, there's no." It, I, it was less than an hour after the initial tweet went out from some former pro player, and he came out and said no. And then some other guy who writes about the Avalanche had tweeted the same thing. So I don't know if people are just reading each other's tweets and tweeting this, but there's some smoke. Um, and that was just around Jake Allen. And I think Jake Allen is probably one of the... the the targets that they have right now for trades is going to draw the least amount of interest. So if there is, you know, this, whether this is conjecture or not, if there are rumors going around about Habs players now, just imagine what it's going to look like when we get towards, uh, like closer to the actual deadline. Uh, guys like David Savard, guys like uh, even Mike Matheson on the point, and then guys like Josh Anderson, guys like Tanner Pearson. I think there's, I think there's deals to be made. And I'd be intrigued to see how Kent Hughes can use uh, the market here to maybe gather some of those younger players, right? Um, I don't don't know if you can go out and get another Kirby Doc that that happens to play the wing, Uh, but it would be very nice if he could figure out a way to do that or or stack some more draft capital, and then we could have a real fun time because they've already got a lot of picks this summer. Um, if they if they add even more in the 2024 draft, man, there's either they're going to be picking a whole shitload of players or they're going to make a bunch of trades and it'll be fun to cover. Uh, so I'm just speaking for myself here. As somebody who writes about the Habs, there will be a lot of work to do. Um, and I love that around draft time. So anyways, all this to say, that's your next big hurdle is uh, what's, what's Ken Hughes going to do from here out to, to build around that top line that is just absolutely fantastic right now. Then, of course, you have the defensive lapses as well, like uh, our Arbor Jack guy's bad pinch. I mean, that's that's a real tough spot to make a pinch. When you're when you, when the puck's coming towards you, uh, coming through the neutral zone towards you, you decide to step up almost all the way to the red line. you got to be sure about that one. And, uh, you know, that one wasn't sure. From the moment that he started to move up, I went, oh, and sure enough, it turns into a two-on-one. He's got to pick his spots better. Um Mike Matheson had a few really boneheaded plays in that game that, that I didn't like. Uh, there, there was just too many mistakes on defense. And, you know, I I would probably get upset about it, but I also know that there's going to be changes on defense as well before this team is ready to compete. We, we seem to forget, right? Like Lane Hudson, not even there yet, and he's going to go straight to the NHL. I don't think there's going to be any AHL time for him. Uh, Logan Mayu playing fantastic in the AHL right now. 
When is he going to come up? Is he? Are we going to see him this year in a Habs uniform? Are we going to see him next year? I tell you right now, if we don't see him next year, he's or this year rather, he's going to be challenging next year. He's going to be pushing for a roster spot. Um, who else? I mean, Jordan Harris is out hurt right now, so we can't even get a look at him. David Reinbacker is expected potentially to come over at the end of this season and play for Laval, and who knows? Maybe he challenges for a roster spot next year. We don't really know. We don't have a lot of data on him playing in Switzerland. I certainly don't. Um, there are people you can follow on Twitter, like Thibaut Chatel, uh, who can give you some information, and by all accounts, he's playing very well in a very bad situation for Cloton. So, um, I mean, there's a possibility that he's far better than anybody can really even calculate right now because he's playing in such a shitty situation it's and and that's just a few that's just to name a few adam angstrom we haven't even like a lot of people don't even talk about adam angstrom and you know if you talk to pat bexel he'll tell you 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 got a legitimate defenseman there that might be able to play meaningful nhl minutes as soon as next season um there's there's a lot of movement that's going to happen on the blue line so it's hard for me to get upset about defensive lapses in a game against one of the best teams in the eastern conference um look this was uh, this was a great game for the tank. Let's put it that way. If you're on Team Tank, I probably don't even need to sell you on that game being awesome. They got good performance from the first line. We saw Cole Caulfield start to regress towards his uh, his shooting percentage mean. And, uh, and really just uh, enjoyable back-and-forth hockey with a lot of goals. If you're not on Team Tank, if you're on the team of people who were somehow hoping that they were going to make their way into the playoffs... You know, I if, if I if I could sell you on it, I would say, listen, you, you got to give up. <laughs> you you got to give up on the playoffs. That's not going to happen. It actually bothered me at the start of this game uh, because I had to watch it on TSN until I figured out my my thing with Rogers and got my RDS back. Uh, they mentioned on TSN they were like the Habs trying to fight for a, a wild card spot. Well, no, they're not. Don't say that. I, I get that you're trying to like sell the broadcast to people but anybody who's watching the Montreal Canadiens you they don't need to be sold be honest with us we know they're not competing for a playoff spot um but I also know that there are some fans out there who wish that they would and if any of those fans are listening I would tell you listen um we got to give up on it uh we got to just you know try to enjoy the remaining games have some fun um hope for you know positive things that we can latch on to um hope for good performances and hope for a good draft pick so that's all I got for you in this episode. Uh, what are we running? 22, 22 and a half, almost 23 minutes. This soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien, man. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Ben Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.